to More Real, a podcast about real people for real people. I wanted to create a space where I share my true feelings and those of my guests about what it's like to live in today's world. The challenges we face and how we deal with them or don't. What about all that stuff that's just not said but should be? You know, the conversations that we really want to have but don't. What do we really think and feel? What about our regrets, dreams that we have and the stuff we should be doing but we don't? Each week, I'll be here talking to real people about real life. This is a very honest look at life and hopefully by listening it will help you to have a better understanding of yours. In today's episode I'm talking to a friend of mine Richard who lives with his partner and two boys in Melbourne. He's a filmmaker and musician. In this very candid episode we discuss how being the child of Holocaust survivors has totally shaped his life. I really hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did. It was like for you yeah. to be the son of, how did that change yeah. who you were? You have answered this. I haven't really. I've given you a very overview thing of identity. Because the thing is, I kind of go like, you know, God, that must be a real weight to be to be the child of the Holocaust survivor. Yeah, the Holocaust. First generation. That's yeah. right. To yeah. be the child of Holocaust survivor. Like, you know, what you, you've sort of alluded to, or you said this before, like what you say, how you are, not being able to be who you, you know what I mean? That's, mm, that's mm, full on as mm, a child mm. to know that you, or you have yeah. some level of guilt. Did you well, discuss that with your sisters? Not like really with, with, with my you know, sisters. Like what point did you kind of go, oh God, yeah, I better not, I can't really, did you, did you not be, I don't know, when you were, what, was there an age when you went, oh, okay. I can't really do whatever you wanted to do, perhaps be rebellious or mm. I don't know, because you thought, well, my parents, I can't, I don't Exactly. Know. That's how, I, that was my, from a very early age, I was like that. Yeah. But do you know what age that was? Well, I, I think from as early as, from, from the same point where I found out about their, what they'd gone through, which was, and I was way too young, I think, to find out about this sort of stuff. And how did you, I, so I how did you seven, find out? I was seven years old. That's pretty young. Well, the way I found out about it was, I remember key visual memories of books, certain books lying around the house. One was, one was called. It was a cheap, nasty-looking book. When I think about it, like a, a real, it had a real pulp fiction. Even though it was a factual book, but it yeah. had a pulpy look about it. And it was about Adolf Eichmann. It was called. I don't know. I think it was. It was. It had a really crass title, like the slaughter of six million Jews, and you know, and it and it had this subtitle of Adolf Hitler demanded it. You know, Himmler ordered it, and then the, and then the last bit was Eichmann carried it out or something. You know, it was really nasty. But you know, for a seven-year-old, and the, the other thing to mention is that the front cover itself, the image on the front cover of this book, was the most graphic pile of corpses. Oh my! God. And I'm seven. I'm seven. I'm seven, and I'm finding this book with this stark black and white image of bodies, mangled bodies. In a in a death pit, and I'm seven, so it gives you I don't know it gives you some idea that I'm way too young to be exposed to this sort yeah. of shit, but instantly I'm I instantly know that this is part of my history, 
I don't know how I know. I was gonna that, say, how did you I, know? What, I what? don't know because did they? Was it but because what? of who they were? They were older. My parents were older. You know, they had me in their mid forties. So when I was seven, they were already kind of in their early fifties, and they had accents. You know, I was. I mean, I don't know. I was. I put things together. You'd work that out. That's not. That's. Or there was just some sort of innate emotional knowing, you know, of just that's not rational, but some other level of knowing. I don't know. So then, well, the, it, yeah. But with the so we go back. So so you see the book. Yeah. Uh, did you ask them then? No, but I was no. See, you I didn't feel know, like you could I ask don't them. No, no, I did. I did. I don't think at that age I was asking them. I think at that age it wasn't long after that. I think I was asking them questions. But at seven, I think if I, I can't be sure of this, but I think I would have spotted that book and just been freaked out by it, but also absolutely drawn to it and mm. obsessed by it. And then probably wanting and just clocking it, you know, just thinking, okay, I know this is a significant thing. And I know that my family history has something to do with this. I just had a feeling, whatever, or I just knew somehow. I don't know. There, there were other things that came along, you know, like that late 70s Hollywood miniseries. Remember? Do you remember it? It was a Hollywood made kind of three or four part miniseries. I think it was simply titled Holocaust. And it had uh, Michael Moriarty in it as a Nazi. And uh, Meryl Streep was in it. James Woods was in it. It was a big Hollywood production. I want to say yes. I don't know if I do. And I, I do sure like it, that. I'm sure it would have aired in, uh, in the UK. It was big. It was a big Probably, production. probably, yes. Okay, anyway. It was CBS or NBC, one of those big networks. Doesn't, lots of, lots of American stuff never make this to the UK. It doesn't necessarily well, mean I didn't see it. But I, I, it doesn't ring a bell as you say it to okay. me. Well, interestingly, that aired on Australian television around the same time. I think it was 1977 or 8, 78. So and that's the same age that I'm seven or eight about that time. So that aired, and it was an event. I wasn't allowed to watch it. Actually, my parents let me watch the first hour of the first episode because they they made they must have made some decision where we'll let him watch it, which I think is I just would not have let me watch it. But they they I think they made a decision if anything gets graphic that he's not going to watch it. We'll send right. him to bed, and they did do that because I think. An hour into it, they were like, but I think they would have been torn. They would have been like, we want our son to know this stuff. This is our history. Mm. And maybe this is a good jam. Maybe watching this Hollywood version is will be good. A good yep. introduction. I don't know. They're thinking. I never, even though I had a lot of convos with them over the years, I never asked them about that. Yeah, what I'm saying is around that time, all these pieces, all these, all this input is happening about this dark chapter and then... Also, there were photos. I'll tell you why I knew. Because there were photos of that looked old, of old people, pre-war, old black and white photos in my dad's office. And there was something haunting about those images. I knew they were dead people. I didn't know at a young age they were murdered. I didn't know they were murdered dead people yet. But I knew they were dead people and there was something creepy. And then well, because the photos looked old? What made you think they were dead people? Because they were old relatives that were... You know, not alive anymore. They were, you know, because I'm, I'm a. Oh, because they weren't would, talked about. No, you just assumed they were dead. Well, I would have been told maybe that that picture there, for example, was my mum's sister, and and I probably maybe I did ask where is she, and they would have said no, she's not, she died. Yeah, fair enough. So I don't think they would have gone into detail about how she died, but then later on I found out more, you know, the darker details about how these people died. They were killed. Oh, and how much later was later? I'm curious. Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I'd be but would it have been 12? Oh, okay. 
10 years old. Yeah. Not significantly is what I mean. Yeah, no, a couple of years later. Yeah, yeah fair enough. And what's going on in the other, in, the, in between all that then? Is, is it, well, you're I'm still, living my life. No, no, but you're, are you putting stuff together in your head still? No one's talking to you. Your yeah. parents aren't going, you know, oh, Richie, da 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 By the way, we should tell you this is all some subtle thing where you kind of go, okay, you're still working out stuff yourself. I think so. And I think another memory I've got of investigating myself was a big deal was when my parents bought this this Jewish encyclopedia, this big set of books, you know, Judaica, yeah. big blue books. A lot of Jewish families had them. They arrived in boxes, you know, it was a bit, it was like an event, you know. It was like, here it is, here's, this is our heritage, this is our history, this is everything about being Jewish. And, and I remember my father going straight to the Holocaust, uh. looking it up, looking up Krakow, looking up, pre-war crap you know the city he was from and my mum was from looking that up looking up the the nazi era the persecution of the jews looking straight into that stuff so and i remember him flipping through pages and then quite graphic photos there too so that was another visual input for me of this dark thing you know this dark chapter and and did you then work out once you've got all that which is a lot to take on and see and all the rest mm. of it were you then kind of going on whatever level Oh, I better be more considerate to all my towards my parents. Like that, uh, or absolutely, you... yeah, absolutely. Because because I made up my the seven year old or the ten year old or whatever I was. Let's say all of it, seven, eight, nine, ten, that whole period, and then on onwards. I made a decision in my head that if my parents have gone through this trauma and they've lost their siblings, some of their siblings, and and all and all their parents, you know, but all my grandparents were, were murdered. They've gone through this horrible, horrible thing. They must be very vulnerable people, you know. They, they, I saw them as very. I got to tread carefully. I got to treat. I can't. I can't fuck with them. I can't. I don't want to be too much trouble. So any rebellion that I had was very private. It wasn't directly. It wasn't me attacking them or rebel saying "fuck you" or you know. It was now. You know, I, 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 I kind of retreated from them. I think. And what and to what extent were you rebellious before you? Did you I mean, could you say to me, "Oh, you know what? Yeah, actually, Dan, I was quite rebellious, and this tampered it, or you weren't anyway." No, no, and I wasn't. It doesn't really make a huge difference. To, I was just more aware of what I thought had gone on, and therefore I was. But it's interesting you say that because I think maybe there's something even as a three, four, five-year-old, even before I technically knew about any of this history, I reckon there's something I innately did know already, that my parents are older. That's not innate, that's obvious. Like, they looked older than yes. most people's parents. You know, I, I can't explain it. I, I, I reckon there was... I don't know. I don't know if that explained who, what sort of kid I was at that very young age or if that was just... You know, I don't know. I don't know. And do you have any, I always kind of think as you're talking, I'm going, would I, if I was in your shoes, would I, res looking back on it now, would I resent my parents for the fact that they, I couldn't be the person that I would want, the child I wanted to be? Or do you, am I, it wasn't like that in terms of, you weren't um, significantly different to what you thought you could be, who you thought you could be? Well, I think that, look, that by, there was definitely a repressive, element to how I grew up and how I mm. how I um, controlled my behaviour and controlled 
I was very different at school to what I was at home, like polar opposites. Mm. Like at home, I was pretty reserved and pretty normal. And at school, I was the clown, the intentional weirdo kind of sometimes. And But that just sounds to me like you're acting out because you had to be like that way at home. Or was yeah. that not? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like a, yeah, it's like a release. Yes. My release was much more at school. Which might not be that uncommon for a lot of kids, Holocaust or not, you know, in terms of... But but I guess for me, knowing and perceiving my parents as, oh, they've gone through this really traumatic life, you know, life-changing thing, and they've lost their parents, and, you know, I've got to treat... I've got to not fuck with them. I've got to, you know, I've got, yeah. to, I've got, to, I've got to make sure I don't cause them any grief. And, of course, I did cause them grief years later. When I was 19, I had a psychotic episode induced by drugs and so there was a rebellious streak in me that wasn't consciously planning to screw them over i didn't want to screw them over i loved I, you know i did love my parents the, the, all that repression throughout that early earlier phase seven eight nine ten and then through teenage and whatever all that repression had to i guess hit some sort of boiling point and did yeah. you think that's what it was? Oh yeah, that was absolutely the reason. Did Did you know that at the time? When no. you look back on it now and you go, mm, I knew it, that's what it I was. I knew it a few years later in my late twenties. I had a few revelations about what what that whole breakdown was about. It's a it's a big huge thing to, to you know for anyone of that age to have to deal with and stuff yeah, and, yeah. and take on and go through. Look, I, the revelation I had in my late twenty or th- early thirties, maybe it was. And I wrote an article about it. I think was that that breakdown at nineteen was a lot to do with repressed creativity, and the repressed creativity was definitely to do with what I already talked about, which was not wanting to rock the boat. Rock the boat, and well, because I, they had a perception of, or they wanted you to do a certain thing that you well, thought I you should know. do. Was, yeah, it, was it? Was it? Was it? Was it like a of. career almost, or was it were the way of be behaving? Because creativity is not. I think they would have. Yeah, look, they didn't discourage. I mean, I I was still creative. Like I did, I you know I played guitar from the age of fourteen, fifteen, and I, you know, and I didn't stop. Like I did, I played and I played in my room, and I got and they agreed to buy me, you know, an electric guitar and an amp eventually. So they didn't. It wasn't like they stopped me, and it wasn't like I didn't pursue a certain level of creative expression, mm. but. I don't know, but between, I guess between 15, where I started making little movies with my mates and making music, and the uh, between 15 and 19, I think probably what was happening was I wasn't cre- nearly as creative enough as I wanted to be. I wanted to be doing, you know, like when you think about someone like Spielberg who was not repressed and didn't hold back in terms of his his desires, his his creative urges... And was encouraged, you know, he was just out there and didn't stop. He didn't go to uni or anything. Like, I, I don't even know mm. if he finished high school. I think he was, he just, you know, went for it. He went and he hung out at the studios and became, you know, there's a whole story about it. So, I don't know why I'm comparing it. I don't know why. But Spielberg's, I suppose, the quintessential No, I get what you're saying. No, yeah, you know, completely. Because he was the most. He was the, exactly. He, he was the, the most successful ever and he was, and he was Jewish. <laughs> Maybe that's why I brought him up too. But, yeah, so f- I think my creative output in those years was tempered you know it was yeah. controlled it was tempered it was bitsy it was there and it's so oh, I said it before 
but you're saying it more now and I'm kind of going how are you not uh, or did you I can't even answer this how are you not resentful towards your parents because you, what you're saying to me is you tempered your creativity mm. because of how you felt you thought you had to be you worked out what they'd been through and all the rest of it and then how are you not did you not go well, you know what, God, love my parents dearly, but mm. look what they did to me. Because when I had the breakdown, I actually was wise. Part of the breakdown was what was happening at the same time as the breakdown was that I was having really honest conversations with my parents. And you could say I was kind of on the verge of psychosis, so maybe these conversations were, were these crazy. But they weren't. I actually remember clearly I had really, before before the psychosis really kicked in and I was manic, I was actually in just a really good place. I was in a confident place. I was 19. I'd, I'd, I'd worked out that I wanted to pursue a creative life in a, you know, in a more rigorous, consistent way. And I was confident to do it. I was happy to do it. And, and, and I felt good about it. And I remember having conversations with my parents about it. And they were, they were good, honest convos. To answer your question, like at 19... So then, then the breakdown happens which was triggered by drugs and all this other pent-up stuff, obviously. But I actually, my perception of my parents actually flipped at that point. It reversed. I didn't see them. I real. I had a real wake-up, which was my parents were not weak, vulnerable people that I should have treaded so carefully. Because mm. I chose, that was my reaction. I, I chose to do that can't resent them for my reaction and and i also saw them i suddenly woke up and saw them as no they're strong people they survived they survived these indescribable horrors you know like my dad literally kind of watched his own father dying and couldn't do anything about it like they were on the death march at the end of the war my dad's father kind of was exhausted couldn't keep walking he basically collapsed and then there was a gunshot. So one of the guards, one of the Nazi guards would have shot yeah. him. And my dad literally had to keep walking. So that's real full-on trauma. And then when I... So I, I had this whole perception that changed how I saw them. I thought, you know, they're, they're strong people. Like They've survived this. They've made a whole new life for themselves. And so that changed my perception of them. But obviously it didn't, you know, completely change me yeah you didn't you know, I, I transformed didn't <laughs> person hey now i'm outgoing and no, exactly. hey, suddenly yeah. and i was suddenly... hey remember richard he was a t- t- yeah, before remember... 19 now he's a different person remember repressed richard yes now, now he's here's crazy the fully creatively <laughs> he's fully creatively realized richard and he's got a record contract out right now he's just kicking goals doesn't work like that i get that. yeah so obviously there, there was much more work to do for me and there always is there still is but no i, no, I don't think i ever had really resentment look if anything I felt really I felt quite bad about what they went through when I had my episode yes. because they were terrified that that it was such an unknown for them what was going on for me they had no they, were, they didn't even know if I'd come back because I was essentially mentally ill like and I was psychotic yeah they didn't know if I was coming back from that so that would have been beyond frightening the parents you know, and my mum actually did qualify that later on when I chatted to her years later, when she said, and it really upset me, but I got, I understood it. Well, now I really understand it being a parent, but she said, you know, when you were sick, it was it was worse than anything I went mm. through in the war. And I, when she first told me, and I said, oh, I said, no, you, 
Yes, 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 you said to me. I'm thinking, how's that? Could that be possible? I said, yeah, I said, you, me getting sick was worse than you going through concentration camps and ghettos and labour camps and watching people getting shot and tortured and hung and, and, and really? And she said, yes, it was worse because you're my child and I didn't know if yeah. you were, I thought you were going, I, I thought I was going to lose you. So, Okay, so how did that make you feel then? Terrible. <laughs> that made you feel even worse. It made me feel fucking shit out. And I, I felt really bad. I felt quite guilty. I don't think she told me that in order to make me feel guilty. I really don't. But well, so how old were you when you had this conversation? Uh, like how much was it quite? Okay, so it wasn't like long after no, then. A couple it was of years a bit, later, yeah, okay. two or three years later, maybe. That's pretty full on to be told that by you. It was a full on moment because I'd really didn't look, and I was a long way off from being a parent myself. I was still yes, you're early still, 20s, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, single, blah blah. No, it was a lot to take in, but no, I, on, on the whole, your question about resentment, I mean. I th- maybe, maybe there were certain moments where I was, where I wanted to lash out and. Do you, do you, do you think know. did it yeah. did, did it then because you'd sort of said this already? So when at school you became the the Joker and all the rest mm. of you acted out and stuff. Were there other things you did that that you know like okay? So I'll give you an example of mm. what I mean. You know, and I don't know why I did it when I was a kid. I I, I remember and lots of kids do this. It's not like it's I'm unique, but I I, I used to I used to go I used to shoplift. Mm-hmm. Now, why was I shoplifting? I think if I look back on it now, I probably shoplifted because I wasn't getting the attention. I was at home because I was. I'm trying to work out why mm. I did that. Mm. wasn't like I this. wasn't like this all the time. I did it a few times, literally, but I still did it. Mm. How old were you? I was. I was still in primary school, so I was ten or eleven. And I remember just going to this shop up the road. This guy. I remember going to shop and I took stuff, put it in my bag. And yeah. that was it. Now, if I look at it, at it now, I haven't. I hardly ever talk about this at all. It's mm. only coming to me in this conversation based on what you just said. Yeah. But it's like, well, was I doing that because I was acting out? Because I, my parents weren't there for me in the way that obviously they weren't, mm. I don't know, they weren't giving me what I wanted them to give them. Mm. So therefore I became this, which didn't do it very often. But I just still did it. So I'm wonder I'm curious as to Did I do anything? Did you do other things where you look back and then you go, God, you know what? There was this moment where I Yeah. There there's some things, yeah. I, I didn't it's funny, shoplifting in particular, I I didn't do at that young age, but I actually did do in my later youths. In my teenage years I did a bit of stealing. But was that more because we was that peer pressure? No, no. No, no one was, you know did that. Peer, it wasn't peer pressure at all. Uh no, no mine wasn't either at all. No, but. no, no. No, it was a thrill. I kind of, I stole really odd things too. Like I stole a golf club and I never played golf. Yes, I know and what I mean. stole a jumper once that I liked from a clothing shop. I literally stole a jumper. But Weird you, things. I, yeah. And but I, do you think that's because of what? Going back to the what I said uh, then. If you look back at it now, I don't know how often you think about it because I never I think, think about it. Okay, but. if I was to become, if I was to put my psychoanalysis hat on, and think why, uh, the first thought that comes to me is. I think stealing was a way of me trying to experience something dangerous because my parents lived through this incredibly perpetual long period of lot part of their life of, of danger every single day for f- like five, six years of their life was danger and f- the threat of death every day. So I think there was a part of me that felt... Uh, interestingly, 
on the one hand, I felt I should go through that too if they went through that. I, mm. I, I should know that. Why? I, I, but not in a... It's weird. On, on one level, it's like... I should go through that because I feel bad for them. I should I should go through that too. I feel guilty that I haven't gone through that. I, I need to go through something dangerous and horrible and whatever. There's that, but there's also an experiential need to mm. have an extremity happen. Like because because of their experience, I don't think I would have had this thought or or dark need. Do you know what I mean? Like, see, it's weird. The more I think about it, like. A lot of holo- kids of Holocaust survivors, you know, they'll have this very cliched nightmare, you know, of the the Nazis are coming, the Nazis are coming, right? But for me, I think I had a fantasy. I want the Nazis to come. I want to experience it. Because it... Why? I don't know. Because uh, because it was real. It was more real than an everyday normal experience mm. and my parents went through this absolute I don't know maybe it's some bizarre romanticism of this horrible experience it's like I want to experience it because I mean you know people say there's, there's nothing more you, you don't feel more alive there's a famous saying you don't feel more alive uh, you know than when you're under threat of being killed like yes. war brings on that thing that that aliveness People living through a war, living through shells coming down, bombs coming down, whether it's you in a concentration camp or whether it's you running from bombs or whatever, people talk about that kind of feeling of um, you feel more alive than you can ever feel because yes, it just makes sense like in that context. So I think there was part of me that was never going to really achieve or experience anything that mm. like that, but I was chasing it in some way, I think by doing things like stealing sometimes and then by trying drugs from quite a young age. Like I was 15 when I got into marijuana and I got into it pretty regularly, quite young. It is quite young. But I don't know if that was... I I, I haven't quite worked out what that was about. I don't know if that was more about escaping from... Or if it was about living a bit dangerously. Maybe it was a bit of everything. I don't know. Or I don't know. It feels like, as you're saying it, that maybe it was that. Mm. It was escapism. Which is kind of, I get. That's kind of the the big popular... uh, That gets the big tick in terms of, you know, motivation of drug use. You know, it's like get away, escape from your everyday and all that and escape from your own mind and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I think for me also drugs... I also had a a romantic view of drug use because there were you know, creative heroes of mine that used a mm. lot of drugs, you know, songwriters and filmmakers, whatever. So there was that. And were there people, how many people do you, your, of your peers were, were, were taking drugs? Uh, a small group of us at school, about 10 people out of the whole year, out of about 150 people. Oh, look, there might have been other kids doing it in separate circles. Yeah, but not... Yeah, I get what you're saying. But, but if, of, of, of who you knew and you're yeah, all... Yeah. Of, you know, I yeah. get that. You're not going to know everybody possibly well enough yeah. to know if they were all doing it, but I get that. I reckon there's ten, about eight or ten of us. And God, it's funny. I looked... Sometimes I look through old, photo, old photos and stuff. I found an old photo of me where I'd gotten stoned at a, at a friend's house and I was 15. And I was a young-looking 15-year-old. I did not... I didn't have a moustache and facial hair. Like, 
I was one of those kids that actually, you know, puberty was a bit slow with me. Yeah. So at 15, I looked like a real kid still. Yeah. And I look at this photo, I looked at this photo of me and I'm kind of slumped by in a doorway at my friend's house. The parents are away, his parents were away. I've smoked, I remember it really well. I'd smoke, we'd smoke this full on joint. Really strong dope too. And I'm just like this little drug addict. I'm looking at this photo going, I wanted to crawl into the photo and rescue this kid. I wanted to, he looked too young to be doing that. I I didn't, and maybe because I'm a parent now as well, you know, I just was like, oh no, why did you do that? You look so innocent. Why you, what did you do so young? It's not that I really have regrets. It was just that particular photo seemed so, I just seemed so young and why was I doing it? But, I don't know. It was weird. But it's, so it does sound like it did affect you a lot then because you sound like you're acting out in different ways. Yeah. Quite a lot of things which seem to be as a result of the fact that your parents were Holocaust survivors and therefore but you I wanted to be... I don't know if I can attribute everything I ever did in not my everything, life but to, generally, to, to that, you know. From what you're saying to me, there's some general... If I look at what you said, I'm kind of picking out, you know, generally some of the things you said I said to you, I shoplifted. Why did I shoplift? I shoplifted probably because my parents, I was acting out. My parents weren't there for me and therefore mm-hmm. I wanted to do something which is a bit rebellious in a bit where I could get caught, where I was going to get into trouble possibly, mm-hmm. where therefore I'd, that's why. Yeah. There must have been, there was a thrill. Yeah. So I can connect with you on that. I totally get what you're saying and there was definitely that for me. There was the rush of going in somewhere, even at 10 or 11 years old, knowing that I could get caught because I could be seen by the guy in the shop. Oh, that's a, there's that. But then there must have been on some level which I wasn't even aware of mm. where I was going, you know what? I just want to get, I just want to, you know, if I get caught, then my parents are going to have to deal with me. And there we go. I'm going to have yeah. to say, hey, look what's happened. And then it yeah, becomes yeah. a whole thing. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's not, lots of kids, I imagine, would be doing something like that because they're not getting attention. Well, but it's yeah. a good thing you didn't take up heroin or something instead of shopping. No, no, I think I had the. Divorce to stick you with had, shoplifting. I think you had self-preservation. Yes, I, I think I kind of worked that one out. But you, you, you're right. because that's what I had. Also, I had as much as I wanted to live on the edge and do things and be feel feel some sort of extremities. You know, I had such a safety barrier that was mm-hmm. built in. Like I, you know, I didn't want to kill myself. I didn't want to do much harm to myself. But I definitely wanted to experience. I think I wanted to experience danger, but I, I didn't really experience danger. No, but you, we wanted to. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And then to go on, an obvious question, but still, one that interests me is. So how much you've mentioned it a couple of times? Now I'm a parent. Mm. Well, how so? How's that? Now that you've got kids, mm. how has the past, if it has at all, given what you've talked about when you were a child? How's that affected you as a parent in terms of the way that you parent your kids? Have you been aware of, right, okay, mm. I better not be too on my kids because I remember how it was, how I felt, not, yeah. not on my kids because yeah, your yeah, parents yeah, weren't yeah. like that, but do you, you find somebody being more relaxed or not more, hey, you know what? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, well, I'm trying to think about my parents because it's funny, my, my, mem- my perception of my parents is that they were kind of, in some ways, yeah, they were, you know, classic Holocaust survivor parents where they were cautious. They wanted me to, you know, take risks. They, they would be, 
you hear the word uważaj, which in Polish means, I think it literally means danger or careful, you know, careful, don't do that, you know. So there was that. But I think, you know, my mum died not long ago. And I think in my, um, when I was doing the eulogy and writing and having a few realisations, I realised that actually my parents were pretty progressive and, and liberal in terms of being survivors. They weren't so controlled. They weren't such full on helicopter parents, really. You know, yeah, they, they were a bit worried and concerned here and there, but on the whole, they really let me go. Like, they let me roam the streets on my bike at the age of 10, 11, whatever. I could go for hours. They weren't they weren't checking and screaming, where are you? You know, they, 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 they really weren't so full on. So in terms of me as a parent trying to, because we all try to not do what our parents did, whatever. So I, I don't, they didn't helicopter me much. So I'm not, with my kids... I think I'm similar to my parents, actually, because I think I am. I, I helicopter a bit. Like, I, I, I sometimes I'm like, nah, don't do that. But on the whole, I try to let them yeah. go. You are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we spend a lot of time together, so I yeah, know yeah, that's yeah. how you so are. So sometimes so, yeah. I can be like that. But I, I like to think that on the whole, I, I let them go off and be, you know, no, I'm not there. I know, look, in terms of the Holocaust itself, and, and I, I don't, I really don't want them to know about it for a long time. I just don't. No. I just, and it's not, yeah, I don't know, maybe it is a direct reaction to the fact that I think I knew about this stuff too young. I don't think I should have been seven and known about that stuff. So, yeah, but going back to what you said before, you weren't told. They didn't explicitly tell you no, that. You said you were. You put pieces together, and there were some things. But it wasn't long after that that I was probing and asking questions, and they would talk about. It. And the thing is, now that now I'm having more memories, actually. So what? What a lot of the talk at our family dinner table would be before the war. Okay, the phrase "before the war" was the opening sentence, the opening line of many conversations. So whether I was oh, okay. five, and I would have heard that at the age of four and five as well, because my parents would have, they wouldn't have necessarily been talking about the, the concentration camps, but they would have, but their life was in these two parts, before the war, after the war. Yes. So they would talk about before the war in terms of their childhood. So, you know, and it doesn't take long before you know what war is. You know, war is a bad thing. It's a violent thing. Yes. yes I didn't know the nuances of the war against the Jews specifically until I was a bit older, but. I think, you know, I, I just was already in touch with it. So with my, my kids, I, I just, I don't know. Is there, is there I, anything that you you think you're consciously aware of, well, as we talk now, or maybe not consciously, subconsciously, when you're just doing it, where because of, which clearly affected you a lot, deeply, whatever word you want to use, as a child, that's played into being how you parent. And I, I totally get why you would say, yeah, because I'd be, I mm. think I'd, I'd, it would be yeah, logical definitely. that you would, it would be logical that you you did, you would do that. Definitely. I think there's a sense of justice that I've got that's quite strong because yeah. of what my parents went through and what many people went through, you know, that plays into my parenting. You know, even to the point where, you know, if... if what do you mean by justice? Well... Or like what's, what's like, right and wrong? Yeah, what's right and wrong and, and just, what's just seeing... I can sometimes really overreact to, you know, look, there's a six-year gap between my two mm -hmm. boys, right? So if the older one is being too rough with the younger one and is kind of enjoying his power and and overdoing his, his power and his control, 
there's something in me that's really not happy about it. Like, it really mm. pisses me off. And I think it definitely links to Holocaust stuff. I really do. I think it's all about, you know, because that whole setup was about, you know, people okay, being absolutely yes. powerless and controlled by yeah. these oppressors, you know, this oppressor victim thing. That's why if I see, especially if I see it in my own kids, I'm like, oh, it really pisses me off. But I have to, I have to pull back on that because they're boys and they're, they, they, yeah. there has to be a natural, I know there's a natural thing that happens. I've spoken to enough parents of boys that say, nah, they're going to treat each other like shit. They're going to fight a lot. They're going to, then they're going to laugh a lot. And I, even when they're, even when these things are happening, they're also, they're going from laughter to crying in five seconds. So they're, they're enjoying it. Even, even the so-called little one who's a so-called victim yes. in my mind he's not really a victim he's part of it and he's provoking it and it's all part of the play so i have to i definitely have to learn to let it go and let it be yes but that would be tough because of what you just we just talked about yeah. it's full on yeah yeah i suppose it's a bit harder for me to let go but look what i was saying earlier too is that like the holocaust thing thing was, I said to you before, was up until recently a very defining, you know, because if you said to me, what, what's, how do you define your Jewishness? I would have always said, look, it's uh, really, to be honest, it's mostly defined by the fact that I'm the son of survivors and that my grandparents were all murdered and other relatives were murdered and they were murdered simply because they were Jewish and there's no, there's no, it's black and white, it's nothing else about it. I would have said, that's my, because I certainly don't identify with the religious or theological yeah. elements of Judaism. I don't relate to them in the slightest. They mean nothing to me, really. So that, you know, that, but what's happened for me lately, I don't know, maybe in the last two or three years, is I've rejected that as, as a, I don't want it to, def to define, I'm not comfortable that that defines me as, in terms of what Jewish means and in terms of, me as a person that it's got such a strong streak within me you know of defining who i am and what my background is and what my what my outlook is on the world what i don't i've moved i've actually shut it down i've kind of moved away from it i don't think it's healthy i don't think it's because if you take the purest version of being of letting the, of allowing that 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 thing called the Holocaust. If you take the purest version of that, as that defines you, the result is not a healthy person. It's a person mm. that's quite paranoid. You know, everyone hates the Jews. There's going to be another Holocaust eventually. We can't we we can't really trust anyone else. And I've never actually thought those thoughts anyway. So that they've never resonated with me that kind of thinking. So the. So I think I've come to this realization and, and a rejection of I'm not allowing this to define me as I used to. Yeah. And also just not, I'm not obsessed with it anymore. I used to be really, I mean, if there was a Holocaust film on, I'd go, I'd, I'd get tickets. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. And I, my question that comes to me straight away is why? But then I guess mm. you could say, well, given your parents were Holocaust, so obviously you, of course you'd say that, but is that? It's a good question. Why? There's a, f I can't, I don't, I mean, I think there's a few reasons why. One, I think one is just a natural evolution of, of me trying to figure out, you know, who I am and my place mm. in the world and just not 
that that not that being so dominant not resonating for me anymore that that that, that is such a dominant part of who I am or my thinking or or taking up a large part of my thoughts you know I just I don't know I think I just it sounds a bit maybe it sounds really trite to say it but I think I've grown out of it like people grow out of stuff Mm. maybe that's it doesn't sound appropriate to you to use that kind of language but but I that's how I that's the, that's the main reason and you know I've also exposed myself to other more critical kind of thinking about how the Holocaust has been overused and exploited and over memorialized uh, and you know it's become a bit of an industry in itself and I've, I've read a lot about that and I, I don't agree with everything I read on that topic but a lot of it does resonate for me and that's also contributed I think to me moving away from it me me realising this isn't healthy Uh, yeah that's contributed as well yeah I think being a parent also is a huge part of it because you know I'm a pretty conscious parent I'm there's a certain world view I want my kids to have and what it is what the world view is that I want them to have is actually a really simple one it's not even it's not um, one that I want to impose on them it's it's one that's i just want it to be open as open as possible i want their view to be absolutely open and tolerant and you know just non-judgmental of other people and you know and i guess the holocaust thing became a threat to that in a way because it's often talked about as you know what happened to the jews is you know it's it's often kind of talked about as the big crime of the history of modern of modern history of the last few hundred years. You know, this is the biggest crime ever committed against from man against man. You know, I bought into that for a long time, but I think that's been oversold and overplayed to the point where we're ignoring many other tragedies that happen that have happened before, that have happened after, that are still happening today. Uh, and, you know, I think you could put it like this, the the Jews, we get too much airtime in terms of that tragedy. That's put me off too in the last few yeah. years because I've become more aware of that. And, you know, and if, and, and if I caught myself even saying this five years ago, I'd be scared to say it because I'd be like, oh, I can't say that. You know, that's, that's going to offend Holocaust survivors. It's going to f- offend a lot of people. But I think it's true. I think I, I'm not trying to offend survive, literally people that have gone through this because, yeah, they, they went through a horrible thing. But I think it has been overplayed and overused. And to the what I mean is to the to the point where the attention is has there's been neglect of you know very comparable crimes against other people that are, that have happened that are happening now in the world you know so yeah that's just a long answer to your question i think that's all contributed to to me not defining myself by this yeah. Holocaust thing as much as i used to i can see that makes sense to me i completely get why you're saying that yeah does it i mean yeah. you're you're jewish right so does it make i mean do you how much 
What? How do you define your Jewish life? Can I flip the tables for a sec? Okay. Because it's not you straightforward. See, it be, no, not it, straightforward. it isn't at all. Because it's, it's just, not a straightforward it, well, culture no, we're in. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but, but what comes to me as you say that is, well, it's cultural. But what's that mean? Well, exactly. And I go, oh, is that because I mix with Jewish people typically that I, I, I choose to be around them, but then now I'm recently separated that I don't actually find myself needing to be around them and I actually want to seek out people who aren't Jewish. So, you know, I look, I look back at my childhood and my parents brought me up in a very Jewish way and they had um, they weren't particularly observant, but, you know, there was, you know, lots what, of things. What do you mean by very Jewish? What do you mean? We didn't, you know, go to synagogue all the time and... and, and um, uh, so what do you mean very Jewish? What does that mean? As in you had Shabbat dinner or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. We used to do Friday night things. So, you know, it was, it was, I was never, even though I did, go out and be a... Uh, on Friday nights I'd get into trouble for doing that but I used to do that because I was rebellious I was a typical middle child so I did all that but you know and then my parents they used to do the whole uh, Pesach thing and change stuff over and festivals and all that kind of stuff and then they got to a point where they didn't bother doing that anymore they weren't that in, they weren't so it wasn't so important to them that's a, that's affected me you know we got to the point when we were in, in, in London before I came to live in, in Melbourne where we celebrate Christmas have a Christmas tree and, and turkey and Christmas presents and all the rest of it. So did you do that? Yeah, completely. Before coming here. Yeah, before coming here. So I know there's lots of don't get me wrong. There's lots of people Jews all over the world who would do that. No, the, the for me, I've historically gone to synagogue on the big high holidays, with which there are two kind of key ones in the year, whatever. And that's I would have gone out of respect for my father, but my father was never that. Didn't he? Did he? He did it. It was habitual. I think more than actually was so important to him. I think mm. that's just what he did and what he felt he should do. Mm-hmm. So I did the same thing. Came to live in Australia. And even more so, it was, well, mm. I've got carte blanche to do what I want. So if I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. There's no, I'm not answerable to anybody because there's no one here to tell me what to do. So I've got to make the decision myself. Mm. How important that is to me. It's not important enough to me to do that. Well, then I've gone, oh, my children, I, I cannot and I refuse to live a lie and try to do something which I don't even know why I'd, I'm saying this. It doesn't make any sense. Even that. That's mm. the right thing to do. Well, what's the right thing to do? It's not the right thing to do. It's what's mm. right for me. And what's right for me is I don't connect with the going to a synagogue and sitting somewhere and, and, and trying to follow something that I don't that's really... Right. So what, what does Jewish mean? So, so, that's, so it's a good question because really it comes down to my peers and people that I know who are Jewish and therefore... There's a certain way that Jews are different to other people, like lots of other ethnic groups are different to other people. But beyond that, that doesn't does that mean I don't want to be with other people who aren't Jewish? Of course it doesn't. I do want to be with other people. So I, I don't. I'm not answering your question at all because no, it's, it's an interesting question because it's too. It, it, it's a very broad question. I find myself. I look. I look to the. I thought about this recently and gone. Yeah. You know what? In the future, I don't know whether I'll do anything that's vaguely remotely whatever Jewish means um, I don't go to synagogue now ever I don't it's just not important to me yes I'm saying that my son got a mitzvah recently it's tough to answer a question about how I define my Jewishness yeah. because for me it's minimum this it's it, whatever there was 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 not much it was not great for, for what the, you know the now it's withering up. away now it's completely withered away because <laughs> I don't have I don't feel an obligation to do that and if I look at my peers 
a lot of them don't do it, and I don't think that's different. It's, it'd be the same all over the world. I don't think Melbourne's but, different to anywhere else. But it, do you think, because you're geographically removed from your parents... It makes it easier to do that, for sure. Thank you for listening to More Real. I truly hope you've enjoyed the experience and that you will continue to be here to explore real life with me. If you have, please tell anyone you know about More Real. I love creating a space for real conversations. So if you know anyone who would want to be on this podcast, please email me at morereal1, one is spelt O-N-E, at gmail.com. Once again, morereal1 at gmail.com. I'm very grateful as always for your support.